Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and super excited for you to dive into this episode. But before we dive in, I really want to share this awesome, awesome product that I found because one thing that I get frustrated with when it comes to running gear is when it doesn't last long. Whether it rips, tears, or just wears away, it sucks to have to keep buying new stuff. I know I've been there many times before. Plus, when you do these things, it isn't sustainable for the planet either because you're always throwing away different things. But I recently started to try this gear that lasts long, has a five-year guarantee, is super comfortable, has extremely fun colors, and helps to support clean water programs around the world. The gear is from Janji, and you've got to check them out. They make high-performance running apparel such as shorts, tanks, shirts, jackets, and more, all built to explore the world on the run. Not only do they have a five-year guarantee where they'll replace any product that wears away, but their stuff is super comfortable, breathable, and easy to move in especially in those summer months where it gets hot and you need something that keeps you to cool. We all know that heat is coming and we need something cool to keep us on those trail runs. Plus, 2% of their sales go towards nonprofits working on viable clean water solutions, so it's a way to give back and feel good about where your money is going. They have super bright colors and artwork designed by talented artists all across the world, so you'll stand out on the trail. I know I always like to wear the brightest stuff out there, so if you're in the same boat as me, they got stuff for you for sure. My favorite products uh, by John G have been the Transit Tech short and the Run All Day tee. And I like the Transit shorts because they're lightweight, easy to move on my runs, especially when I'm climbing hills or doing faster efforts. And because they don't have a liner in them, it doesn't chafe for me on the longer runs, especially when I'm sweating a ton. And we all know how much chafing is awful. I also like the Run All Day tee because it feels like you're barely wearing anything out there, which keeps you so cool on a hot day. But it also feels like you're really, really cool whenever you're wetting it down or having that topical cooling thing, which we all know is the key to staying cool on your hot training runs or your races. And the coolest thing about both these items is that you can tell they last very, very long. I've been out on these on long runs already and the gear just lasts. Like you can tell like there's no wear, there's no tear. It really goes out there and you know it's going to be there for the long haul. And as endurance athletes, we need gears that can take us over many, many miles. And the cool thing is too, is even though the gear does last long, you still got that reassurance of that five-year guarantee, which is just absolutely incredible. I don't know of any other company that's doing that. So you know you have that tried and true product that's going to last you for the long haul. So you can already tell by now I'm a huge fan of Jondi and I 100% suggest you try them out. And if you're looking to test drive it, you can actually get 15% off your order by using the code EverydayUltra15 at checkout when you go to Jondi.com. And that's spelled J-A-N-J-I.com. So that's Jondi, J-A-N-J-I.com. And if you're rocking Jondi on your next adventure, let me know. I'd love to hear what you're wearing out there. And I really hope you give them a shot because they've been a game changer in my training, especially as it gets super hot here in Phoenix and you need something comfortable, cool, and something that looks good. That's the most important thing, right? So go to johnji.com, that is J-A-N-J-I.com and use code EverydayUltra15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. All right, everyone, thanks so much for listening and let's get into the episode here.
We have a frequent flyer to the Everyday Ultra podcast on it. This is his third time on the show. One of my favorite runners to follow, um, even though he's not on social media, I still follow him fervently on Strava and got to know each other over the, the, the past year, which is super cool. But everyone knows last year, was on the podium for Western States, his first time towing the line, putting up an incredible performance and uh, just having an amazing race out there as well. And recently signed on with the craft team, which is super cool. Um, his his first year as a professional athlete. And during that time, he's been training hard. He he got first place at Umstead with an absolutely blistering fast time, uh, which is just totally impressive. And uh, now he's towing the line again for his second year in a row at Western States 100, which uh, we're talking with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Arlen Glick. Arlen, dude, thanks for coming on, man. And uh, stoked to chat with you again. Man, that's great. That was a, that was a very, very classy intro there. Yeah. It gets, gets me pumped up. <laughs> dude, I'll, I'll announce that intro, like right before States too, like, uh, right as you're towing the line as well, just to, to hype you up. Um, but we were, we were kind of talking a bit before you had just come back from a long trip in California and you were there a little bit, even after the States training camp, uh, tell us what that was like being out in California, just ripping it up for, you know, uh, many days out there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like I could, I could back up a bit and give you like, if you want to get a picture of my whole like training block, my whole training structure for the whole season, because as you may know, may or may not not know, I'm in Western States and then hard rock, which is two weeks and six days after, after Western States, I've got it down to almost the hours here, but anyway. um, Yeah. So back in like December, January, um, once I signed on with craft, I kind of built my whole season around these two races, um, felt like it was smart to put a, a tune-up race in there. What I would call not a training race, a tune-up race, uh, like a training race is one where you go out at like 80% effort, right. And save yourself. Um, a tune-up race is where you go hundred percent effort, but you structure your year to find out where the body's at, not necessarily expect your best performance. So Umstead was April 1st. I had a pretty nice buildup coming off of my off season. I took like five months off uh, from basically Havelina till Umstead. Um, Just like not training hard, really trying to rebuild the body because it's been kind of screwed up for the last year and a half. So trying to trying to get things back, get the rig back on the road. I've been having a bunch of half decent results, but have not felt like myself for ever since jackpot of, of 20 two. Yeah. I'm trying to get this right. Um, so anyway, yeah, went into Umstead, not train, not trying to show off just like minimum training, just like trying to, f- trying to use it as a, you know, stepping stone towards of course, Western States and hard rock. Um, so had it, you know, just nor pretty normal training, not nothing impressive, uh, ran Umstead. The, the race went well. Um, some of the things about the race went awesome. Um, as far as my tune up part of it, uh, there were a few squeaks and niggles that I'm still like was reminded there. I'm still working on some stuff. Um, so just mechanically trying to get things working the way they should be. Um, so it was good to, good to, uh, give it a, give it a good effort and see where the body was at. Um, it was probably 90 to 95% of where I want it to be for, for Western States. So we're getting really close, but we weren't quite there yet. So it was an honest, uh, overview. Um, and then also I built my training structure after that, like a, 
a pretty nice build up, nothing speedy or fast, just mm. a nice slow increase of volume um, to kind of build onto what I had, you know, built before that. Um, so then I went out actually for the Canyons race. I think I talked with you, Joe, out there, yeah. maybe a high and a buy anyhow. Um, but was out there with the craft team. So I spent a week, basically a week in Auburn um, and, you know, training on chorus. And then over the weekend did uh, pacing and crewing and everything, just the whole Canyons race, whatever you want to call that. Um, and then I went straight from there to Arizona for two weeks, just just training, just building, just really building a base, not like training hard, just like building, you know, building, growing some mountain legs man, it feels so different when you're actually, when you're actually preparing for a mountain race in the mountains, it's so different than the way it's been for me for the last couple of years, you know, stepping, kind of stepping into the mountain running scene from coming from back East here, where we have a lot of Hills, but not mountains um, and trying to get used to those extended climbs and everything. Uh, so it's been, been really fun, but anyhow, I took, spent a week and a half home after my, after my canyons and, and Arizona trip, um, and just kind of rested, had a down week, did some fun things, and then went out to Auburn for my final training phase. So just got back from that is as of today, when we're recording the, the 13th. Um, so yeah, put, put in a, a really nice training, you know, a really nice three weeks or so, um, ripping up the chorus, um, getting into the canyons a lot. There's still a lot of snow up, up top. So I did a little bit of training up, up high, um, just because I'm going to have to run in snow and I learned really quickly how, how fast and easy it is to, to tear up the, uh, the, your feet and all the stability muscles. So I got that out of the way. Um, anyhow, so yeah, now I'm in my taper phase still that's where we're at <laughs> what an awesome block and so cool i love the distinction between like a, a tune-up race and just like a a race that maybe you're not going at you know a training race right They're, those are two distinct differences i've actually hadn't heard someone uh dissect those two differences like that because i mean you know umstead like you said before maybe not 100 percent but where you want to be still like a, a good result out there and everything and i know you mentioned 95 percent uh you were kind of there at states with maybe the last like uh weeks coming out after that, right? Like going to uh, Auburn and then Arizona and then back to Auburn for, for like the States camp and even a little up high in the Tahoe area. Do you feel like you've been able to master that like additional kind of 5% of the things you're working on in that uh, last kind of period there? And maybe, I guess, like, what are some things that were kind of included on those lists that you really wanted to tackle on snow? I'm assuming is kind of one of those things, but curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So like to, to, to give you some perspective of where I'm at, like, you know, my injury was a left hip injury back a year and a half ago. Um, what I've dealt with since then, you know, I had a, what some would say an incredible 2022 season, but if I were perfectly honest, every one of those races, something was wrong. <laughs> um, so I've been trying to get rid of what I've been dealing with is, is right leg compensation, mm -hmm. which means the right leg is just wearing out too quickly. Um, and so I've been working really closely with my physical therapist and trying to, to get those, get that worked out. One thing that I noticed though, with like bouncing from West back to East running flat for a week or two 
And when I'm back home, I'm not like doing my normal hill repeats that I normally would do. Um, I'm, I'm keeping it very easy when I'm back at home. And what I noticed when I went back out to California after running in Arizona, like the mountains started to feel pretty normal after a couple of weeks. Hmm. But then like when I went back out to California after being rested, they felt it felt so much easier to climb after being on the flat, actually, you know, and giving those, those climbing legs a break. So I'm like very optimistic that, you know, I felt really good for a couple of days. Then I didn't feel good for about a week or so. The, you know, the right leg was complaining and whatever. Then I felt very normal for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, when I came home, I felt great. And so we'll see, like, I'm hoping that another rest period, on the flat, we'll get those legs feeling really in the mood to climb. So that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, I did right towards the end of the training block. I did some, I was being, trying to be really patient this training cycle hmm. and just trust the process, not ever like jumping ahead. So I waited until like right before my taper to actually tune up the downhill legs. And I did a few efforts that were like, 90, 95% effort downhill segments, which people don't often do that. But I think that's important for training for Western States. And it was, of course, towards the end of my biggest training block too. So I was, the, you know, the most tired. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm just trying to play it really smart, like not put in any more work than what I need to, to get the body where it needs to be. That way it's hopefully, you know, rested and also in shape at the same time. Yeah, that's such a good point. Do you feel like last year, maybe going into Western, I mean, and like we were saying in the beginning, had in, impressive results, like uh, by, by I would say like, at least my eyes for sure, like third place at the podium finish at one of the most competitive races in the world. Do you feel like maybe your training last year going into it, maybe was taking a little bit more of those risks, kind of cooking it more? Like, is that kind of the shift uh, based on training last year for States? Yeah, definitely. Although like looking at last year, my training phase felt pretty good last mm. year. It just, you know, right leg was a little cranky in training, but barely noticeable, like nothing worth derailing my, my plans. Um, the difference in contrast this year is yes, I'm aware of what's going on. I'm, I'm still not a hundred percent. Like I, I know, I know where it's, you know, it's, there's no secrets out there. Like it's every training block has its, its challenges. Nobody feels a hundred percent when they're training hard. Um, I definitely stepped the volume back and, and I would, I kind of wish I could dig back. I would, part of me wants to dig back and see exactly how many hours per week and how much vert and how many miles and whatever. I know this training block is less miles. I would say it's probably very similar in terms of time on feet um, possibly has more vert this time, but it's, it's so hard to compare when you're doing hill repeats versus climbing mountains. I mean, you can just go out on an easy morning run and grab 6,000 feet, you know, in the canyons in, in, you know, 20, 20 miles or whatever, just like, like it's, it's so easy to just rack up vert, um, as opposed to when you're back here and you're like you know, strategically planning your week to try to get as much vert as you possibly can. So it looks quite differently, but I definitely would say, yeah, I, I stepped off the gas for this training block. I definitely didn't, didn't try breaking any new records as far as volume or anything, trying to, you know, trying to take it easy. Um, if I had felt like Umstead was back to a hundred percent, I would have probably went all in and just like, you know, broken new records as far as volume and whatever. Cause I'm still young and dumb and think that I like, I think that that's, 
that it's good to to test the body. If you're not breaking anything, you're probably not pushing hard enough. Um, and so, and so I, I like to do that, but I decided kind of, and I didn't make this decision early on. I was just like, I planned my season where I'm going to be training, but I didn't plan like how hard I was going to be training. I'm, I decided I'm going to wait until the moment and see if I'm going to either incorporate speed or else like more volume. Um, so I'm definitely going into this race. Like I don't feel one ounce of affirmation from my training block. Like I realize I'm nothing. If I show up on race day and nothing happens, like I didn't even, I don't even think my, some people would say my training block was impressive. I don't think it I don't think I have anything to show for unless I actually show up and race on race day. Mm, that's a, it's an interesting point. Do you feel like you're maybe a little bit, I know you mentioned last year kind of going into States probably felt a little bit more fresher and everything. Like, do you feel even with the training block, not there, like physically just a little bit more fresher. And the reason why I asked this is I was having an interesting conversation with someone yesterday and we were kind of analyzing Strava's of some people. And like, there's a lot of people just going hard. And then I think, and again, I don't, this is more anecdotally just from observations, but we're seeing people getting stress fractures, pulling out of the race, like, like a lot of big names. And, uh, you know, there's questions of like, are people overtraining and everything? And so it's interesting to see your perspective of noticing something's not hundred percent and kind of going back. So I, I guess to circumnavigate that question and how you're like feeling, do you feel maybe more fresher physically, even though maybe the training in terms of like miles and Bert and time wasn't there, but like physically, do you feel better coming this year than maybe last year? Like, how would you compare the two? Oh yeah. Like, well, I mean, mindset is completely different. Like I totally mm -hmm. think I can go out and just make last year's performance look pathetic. Like that's where my head's at, but like I'm, <laughs> I, I guess I'm this, this year I'm like, okay, I have a decent result behind me. So like I'm swinging for the fences this year. I I'm not afraid to fail. I, I would be much prouder of myself if I blew up and had, you know, just a catastrophic blow up this year. than if I got to the finish line and was like, yeah, I just didn't just, you know, just didn't push hard enough. Like I would, I, I this, this is, this is the year where I, I have a decent, like, I got so many people that were like, don't screw this up last year when I was, you know, building, they're like, don't screw this up. Don't, this is your chance. Don't screw this up. And this year it's like, people aren't at telling me that they're saying like, go for it. And that's what I want. Like, I, I'm prepared for it to go, to go bad. Like I've failed before. Um, but I would rather try hard and be proud of my effort than my result. So I, I'm looking for a good effort, not necessarily a good result this year. So good. Yeah. And it relates kind of to some other conversations you put out where, and even, even before this podcast where you're mentioning like over the past few years, like Javelina and run rabbit. Like I remember even you and I were talking uh, like you wanted to get that feeling again of being at the finish line, like totally spent. Right. Like, and just like, that is just an awesome feeling. And so like for you, like, it sounds like last year, maybe like, do you feel like you took it pretty conservative last year relative to how you'll like, you'll probably take a little bit more risk this year. Is that kind of like a little bit of the strategy or how do you, how do you marry how you race those two races when you compare them? Yeah. It's a little bit hard to say how they compare because like, I don't think I had mountain legs last mm -hmm. year. Um, I feel so different, like coming back to the East and running like my first trail run, just seeing how much lower effort level I had. And of course I was running slow on the climbs, but like normally the climbs that I am always hiking towards the top, I'm like running at a very low effort level. 
And I'm not moving much faster. Like I can hike as fast as I can run slow. But I, I was trying to discussing this with some people about like the, the whole running versus hiking mm-hmm. cycle. And I felt like at Western States last year, like I certainly didn't have my my mountain legs. It was I was hoping. Um, but then I think ultimately like messing up my nutrition earlier on just because of a stupid miscalculation in calorie consumption, I think is kind of what spiraled me in the wrong direction. Um I know it may have looked impressive because I ran so well from like Forest Hill on, but um, I think that's just a testament to the way I race. I tend to like, I tend to have my rough moments like earlier in the race than most people. And then usually figure things out and the body figures, figures out like later in the day that it's not getting out of this. And so then it like cooperates with me a little better. Um, But it's, it's hard to say the difference you know, what kind of a result I'm going to get, but I certainly feel so much better about it. Like I feel so much more comfortable climbing out of Eldorado Canyon, you know, and just like getting in my zone of, of this is what running mountains is supposed to feel like. Um, I feel much more confident about it, but like, I'm excited too, because I feel like, I feel like this is the time where I could either do something really amazing, or I could just like eat the biggest piece of humble pie that I ever got. And I like, I, I'm excited about like either one of those right now. <laughs> That's so awesome. Oh my gosh. Like I, I was getting chills when you were saying that. That's so cool how you're willing to to go out and take the risk. It's like you you swing big and like it, it with anything that you swing big on, like you can be very well aware of like the risks on there. But like when you hit the ball, like right in that sweet spot, it's going out of the park and out of the park uh, could mean just an impressive results at state, which is super cool. Like, how do you like, um, and I'm, I'm curious, like to maybe share with some other people who maybe might be, you know, afraid of failure or things like, how do you kind of like view that? And it's interesting. Cause I, I remember like the year, what you were saying before the year before you were, people were saying like, don't screw this up, don't screw this up. And I can see that being a lot of pressure. Is there any like change to that confidence too? Like maybe even just being part of like the team, like craft, like, and maybe from, I guess, like a broader perspective too, like, what are some things that you have, you know, really gotten as an athlete, like being on the craft team now, aside from the obvious of like being able to, you know, travel different places and train more, but I guess like how to, to encapsulate the question cleanly, how has being a part of the craft team you think has, has really just helped you as an athlete again, just be, beyond like the obvious benefits that, you know, come with being a professional athlete. Yeah. I think, I think like when you look at the obvious benefits, um, like just the fact that I can focus on my training and like, I'm not necessarily putting in more hours of runtime, but like so much more time of all the necessary things like physical therapy going to the sauna, spending a lot of time doing the things that really help you as a runner, but not necessarily training more because I was always the guy that was putting in, you know, tons of miles. Like that's, that's, I, I was just talking with a friend today about like how much my perspective is different than other people's. Like some people have these big goals and I think that's awesome when they do that. But for me, what gave me success in ultra running was I love training. Like (laughs) at the end of the day, at the end of the week, I love just spending tons of time out on the trail. That's what I enjoy doing. Like, even if I didn't race, I think I would still run at least a hundred miles a week. Um, So I think apart from the obvious benefits of being able to do what I, more of what I love. um, Yeah, there is 
I don't know if I want to call it pressure because it's funny. The, the athlete manager, I was just talking with him about, you know, our year and planning. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to try my best. Like, I know what you guys have done for me. And like, that means the world to me. Um, and he's like, don't worry. We're not, we're, we're here to set you up for success. Not, not to expect success out of you. Like we want to give you everything you need, but we don't, you know, we don't want to put any pressure on you. Um, and I think when you have that kind of a relationship with, I hesitate to say a company because it's not really a company. It's really a people, it's a family, it's, you know, and which is really a testament to craft being a small company that everybody knows everybody, you know, I'm an email away from the head of the brand, um, which I know other companies, they have a chain of command and you don't step out of line. So I feel really special to be a part of this little family. Um, but that even makes me a lot more eager to throw up results because right now, I mean, companies go through stages. We're, you know, at craft, maybe we're in the honeymoon stage of the company, but, and I realize it may not be this way forever, but right now I can't wait to like throw up results for them. Like I want to, I want to give back like more than I ever thought I would want to. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, I want to give back. I would, yeah, I'm trying not to put pressure on myself, but I don't want to fail because I'm very proud of what they did for me as, as an athlete. So I love that perspective because I've, I've chatted with other professional athletes and, and, you know, candidly, they would tell me like, yeah, sometimes when they just get signed or something, it's almost like the pressure to do well, but it's almost a little, it can be like fear-based, but I love your perspective. It's very much like a, a giving thing, right? Like the way that you put it is I want to give back to these guys and, and really, you know, have a great result to give back to them. And I feel like that is a healthier way to look at it, just even from talking through it and thinking about it because it's not as much fear-based as it is like more, you know, abundance kind of based and giving based and kind of selfless kind of based where I know like times when I felt pressure for like whatever reasons, it, it can feel like you're focusing too much on yourself when from your aspect, it's focusing more on the team, which to go to your point, I think, and, and this is not to throw shade at other brands, but I, I feel like craft the way that they have been handling their team over the past years, at least from what I've seen is by far one of the best, like team management things I've ever seen from the content to the trips to the, you know, even just seeing everybody at canyons, like supporting each other from you yeah. and Tim. And like, you know, like that was like, so cool to see that, like, has that being surrounded with those other athletes also leveled you up as well? Like, you know, spending so much time with them and learning with them. Like, what is, what has that experience been like? Oh yeah. It's been awesome. I mean, I know, I now personally know every, I think every one of our athletes, like I've I've missed a few of them at a couple events, but then hit them at another event. And so like, it is so fun. Like at the Canyons race, we, you know, they had a house that, that we stayed at and like, we're just sitting around eating dinner together with the team. And like, it is so, and, and of course we have an exotic team, right? Like we have some pretty awesome people on our team too. I mean, and just, just to point to your point about what Kraft did, not just what they did, but like what they got too. So they got somebody like Tommy Rives, you mm -hmm. know, and right after they signed their first athlete, he, you know, <laughs> practically died, <laughs> was in a coma for six months. And, and like, I think that's just a test. I think people learned early on that the people at craft care about people mm -hmm. much more than they care about athletes. Um, and I think he is their, their 
poster child, whatever you want to call it. Like, I think he is, I think the way they treated him through that was, was just very revealing to the rest of us that they're here to take care of us, not, not to see what they can get out of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, that means a lot to me as an athlete to know that, yeah, I think a lot of times people are, you know, trying to get results out of fear of what might happen, you know, um, but I don't feel that at craft, but Hey, I'm just, I, that's just my perspective. Like you could, you could talk to another craft athlete and maybe get another, <laughs> another perspective too. So no, that's awesome. I love hearing the insights. Cause again, like from seeing, you can almost get a sense from the content that they put out. Um, it, it, it seems like they, they really do care about the athletes and even again, seeing it firsthand at canyons and uh, you can just truly feel it, which is super cool. I know that you mentioned before, it, it's kind of changed your perspective of wanting to kind of give back to craft and like do well too. How has it maybe also affected maybe like the way you look at like drive and motivation? I know you mentioned you love training and things. Do you see that as almost growing the same or different kind of perspective when you look at yourself at this time last year. Cause I actually think we're probably like, uh, I don't know, like, um, a year out since our last conversation, which was super interesting, <laughs> which is, I, I just realized that right now looking at the date. Um, but how do you like, look at your drive and motivation in the sport? Is it, is it stronger? Like when you look at yourself compared to last year? Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like I love running now more than I did a month ago more than I did six months ago, more than I did a year ago. Like I, I love what I do more than I ever did. And I think that's probably, I don't know if that answers your question entirely, but that's, that's where my head's at right now is that I just love what I do. Um, and that has kind of, you know, I've been on a roller coaster of, you know, not knowing if sponsorship was possible with my, you know, stubborn views on social media, my, you know, and, and then craft come along and they're like, we could care less. Like we, we think you're a great guy, like whatever we, we like you the way you are. We're not going to try to make you change. Like, and so I think, I think like the whole attitude that they, you know, presented to me was, was, you know, not only kind and generous, but it was also like, it gave me the confidence that I can just be myself and do what I love. And they're not expecting anything else out of me. Um, and I like, I want to think that that's going to set me up for success. But even if it doesn't, like failure right now doesn't look that bad either. So mm. like, I'm not really afraid to fail. And I think to touch on like me growing as an athlete, I can remember certain injuries earlier in my career that just like got me all depressed and like just, mm. you know, the world looked so dark through that time of not, not knowing what the future was like. Am I ever going to run right again? And it was interesting. The last injury, major injury, I got it at jackpot, which is, you know, the one that I'm still dealing with compensation today. Um, but it was interesting. Like when I got that injury and realized I probably can't run for like a couple of weeks and who knows what this season's going to look like. And I had Western States on the calendar and mm. like there, it was interesting though. I, I like when I realized the the harsh reality though, I looked at it more as like, this is a vacation. And my younger self would have been like so down and depressed. But I think just growing as an athlete and like seeing what your body can rebound from really helped me to just like grow up as a person and an athlete 
and to make me like just at peace with whatever happens. Like I've got to experience some pretty tough things, some pretty bad things. And like realizing that, you know what, I can find some good in that too. And I, th- I think, I think if you were really, if you really tapped into what's going on in my head right now, it's that I'm not afraid of failing. I think that's where I'm at. So good. And that is, that is so awesome to see, like you start that answer off with, I love running more than, you know, I did like a month ago. Like, I think that is so cool to see that love growing because I think that's what makes athletes better. Like whether you are a professional like yourself or anyone listening who is, you know, someone who just runs recreationally, like having that love that's growing is such a good key thing to not just sustainability, but fulfillment. But then you went out and said, like, when you had this injury, like it was almost like seeing it as a vacation. So I love how you balanced like the two, because to some like degree, like I know for myself, like I love running so much, but I had like a recent like knee little, you know, niggle and I was able to run, but you know, I started thinking the thoughts of like, oh man, like, am I not gonna be able to run for a month? And you start getting those things, but that growth comes in when you can, you know, understand that, Hey, this is a vacation. This will help me in the long run. And it's cool to see it translate, you know, into how you're approaching this Western States block. Like you said, like, don't want to push it too much. Like you're being smarter as an athlete, but also keeping that love as well, which I think is a amazing dichotomy to have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that is. And I think that that's just something that some athletes, you know, grow in that. And then some, maybe just stay the same in that area of like, you know, what's it like to get injured? And and because, I mean, I think almost all good athletes are going to get injured at some point. Like I, like I stated earlier, if you're not breaking anything, you're probably not trying hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And, and speaking of uh, about breaking something, and I'm not saying this will be at like Western States, but I, I think, uh, and I know when we were on the one year panel episode, right. You were pretty much saying like Western is the goal, right? Like hard rocks, just kind of a fun thing. And I'm sure like the natural question, I know I asked you a a while back and, but basically it sounds like you're going to go Western, you're going to push it hard. And basically like, it doesn't need, like, how do you view like hard rock being there? Is it more like in your mind, when you're towing the line, it doesn't even exist in your mind and you're just going to give it your all and whatever. And like, (laughs) is there any inkling of like, you know, I'm going to save myself for this or is it just balls to the wall for Western States? Yeah, no, it definitely exists in my mind because this (laughs) is like, in, in my mind, somebody else picked my season. Okay. I didn't decide this. Okay. Hmm. Because like, if if I were to pick 200 milers that were two weeks and six days apart, it would be like, was stupid, Arlen. Why'd you do that? Okay. <laughs> but since somebody else did this to me, obviously I applied for it. I honestly, when I, when I applied for hard rock, I didn't even look at the dates. I didn't even know if it was like close to Western States <laughs> so or not. Good. I just knew that I want to run hard rock someday and I had a qualifier. And so I wanted to get the process rolling. Okay. So I feel like it's it's been a while since I've challenged my crazy. I stated earlier I'm young and dumb and I endorse that, okay? It's been a while since I've challenged my crazy side. And I feel like somebody else chose a crazy journey for me and I am really excited because it feels so justified in my mind. Um but yeah, going into western states, there's definitely I feel the same way going into western states as I do you know, Western states in view of hard rock, 
as I do going into Western states in sight of my training block. Okay. Like I said earlier, I have got not one ounce of affirmation from my training block. I realize that Western states is everything. I feel the same way going into Western states with hard rock in mind. If I don't do it at Western states, that is nothing towards hard rock. Okay. Like I know that, that, Hard rock, like I'm prepared to fail at hard rock, no matter what happens at Western States. And so with that in mind, it's like everything is at Western States. Now, after Western States, you know, then I get to figure out how to use poles. I get to figure out, you know, what's what's it like to be at 14,000 feet. I get all these cool little adventures that I have in my mind are all waiting for me during my vacation after western states so I'm, I'm really excited about having that on the calendar but i'm also not like trying to set myself up to be successful at hard rock because i know that that's probably going to mess up western states and therefore i'm probably going to fail at both and so i would rather put throw everything at heart at western states and then have fun at hard rock such a good way to think about it. I love it. It's like almost like a, a future Arlen problem is uh, what hard rock is or a future Arlen uh, challenge, right? Like uh, I shouldn't say problem because it's awesome to like race, race hard rock, but I love it. it's like not even the forefront. You're like, okay, we'll figure it out after, after the race and just go all out with, uh, with Western, which I think is like such a cool approach to have. And um, even just knowing that like hard rock would be a challenge regardless. It's like, why not give it your all at States, which is just so cool to see. And and like I was telling you before the show, I, I, it's, I think you'll be one of the most fun athletes to watch out there. And I, I given your result last year and uh, seeing how you've grown as an athlete, which is super cool. And then kind of just uh, wrapping up the conversation a little bit on like race day strategy. Is there anything like super big race day wise that you're willing to share that maybe you'll be doing differently last year? I know you mentioned there's nutrition in the beginning, maybe a miscalculation. Um, obviously you're probably wearing different shoes out there. So uh, that'll be <laughs> super cool, but anything on the race strategy side that you'll think you'll tweak this year thinking about tweaking or are they all trade secrets where you're, you're keeping on the wraps <laughs> until the big day? Yeah, no, I try to stick with the, I have no secrets kind of policy. Love um it. So yeah, as far as race day strategy goes, yes, I'm like this week is my week to get everything figured out, like my nutrition plan. Um, so basically I'm just going to look at my splits from last year and try to figure out like how much, how many calories I need at this aid station at that one. There's a lot less crew access this year, so it's going to be a little bit tricky, but I'm hoping to get things figured out. Um, and, and just to just to get myself set up to just like a robot going out there, like I did at Umstead, there's crew access like every six miles, which is like every 45 minutes or whatever. And I was just like a robot out there and had like the most amazing experience because I didn't have to think about what I was doing. I had it all figured out. Um, and I'm much the same, hopefully at Western States this year, like last year, I was thinking maybe it would be two hours from this point to this point. And it was like three hours. Well, I was sticking with my nutrition plan based on two hours instead of three hours. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like this year, I'm hoping to have things dialed in. I will have to carry more with me this year just because of less crew access and like not necessarily knowing for sure, like the aid stations are really good out there, but not being a hundred percent sure, like what I'll be, what I'll have access to. So I have, I'll have it all wrote down. And like, like I said er, earlier, everything's going to be just like 
hopefully just like clockwork, like my nutrition plan, everything, like everything's going to be wrote down and I'm going to do this, this, and this. And if it doesn't work, then figure it out in the moment. Um, I definitely don't have any like time goals or split goals or, you know, placement mm-hmm. goals. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I'm swinging for the fences, but that may mean I, I get to the escarpment in 20th. Like I have no, mm-hmm. I have no desire to, to like rip it from the, from the start. Like in my mind, I want to push really hard. Like that's what I would like to do, but I know I have to also be patient with my body and push when it's ready to push. And so like, I certainly don't want to like give you the impression that I'm going to just run away from everybody at this race. Cause that's probably not the case. Like I stated earlier, my races often, you know, turn around about eight, eight to 10 hours into them. That's kind of when I start feeling good and everybody else starts feeling, you know, the alternative. So, um, that's kind of what I'm thinking for, for race day strategy, but, uh, I, I got a good, I think I got a good plan in place. Um, but then it's just like knowing how flexible to be with that plan is, is what I got to figure out at this point. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's like a, a big hallmark of success with athletes at, you know, any hundred mile race, not just Western is like having a plan, but being willing to be flexible and adaptable. So it's so cool that you, you know, have your plan, but also like a, you, you framed it perfectly. It's like, I ha- I'll have everything written down, but, and if, and if things get wrong, like figure it out, like in the moment, like knowing in advance that there's going to be things that you'll need to figure out, I think is so, so cool. And you mentioned your crew too, are, are your sisters coming back and, and crewing you this year, which by the way, like. Like, I will never forget seeing just the operation that they put on uh, the tent next to me at Havelina. I mean, they are just so dialed. So are they, are they returning as your crew this year? They are every time. In fact, this year we will have my two sisters, my one's older, one younger. And then I also have my two younger brothers Oh, nice. and, and my parents coming out as well. So it'll be like one big party. Um, and then I also have my pacer, Derek Miller. Um, which is a local guy here. I've had him, you know, at Havelina a time or two. I've had him at, I had him at Western States last year. Um, Him and his, his wife and his four kids are coming out. They're doing like a week vacation with Western States in the middle. So that'll be fun. Like, but yeah, we've got a, we've got a rather large crew this year. Oh man. Team, team Glick is rolling in deep. That is uh so awesome to see. Yeah. I was uh, forever just impressed by seeing just the operation your, your sister was, uh, your sisters were doing at Havelina. I remember even my crew were coming They were like, yeah, we were talking with like Arlen's sister. Cause like Arlen's sisters, we were looking over and it was just like a pit crew in there. And it's uh so cool to see them so dialed. So I'm sure everybody in the live stream is going to be cheering on as well as uh, I know last year, like uh, team Glick was out in a fan favorite for sure. So I'm sure people will be uh, cheering you on this year as well, man. And uh, for the last question I'm asking uh, here, so I, I have two variations of the last question, right? For first timers, they're getting a different question, but for people who have run the race, they're they're getting their own question. And so being that last year was your first year and the question that I'm asking everybody is what was the most memorable moment or special moment or insightful moment for you running the Western States course last year that you think about often? Oh boy. The most memorable moment last year. Um, yeah, I want to say like probably the fact that like I ran pretty well, you know, and got like, I went from like eighth to third, but then like 
I remember almost getting eat, eaten up by Tyler Green on the track. And that was probably the, the thing that stands out to me the most of Western States 22 um, was just the fact that like, you know, I tried to do everything I could, but then at the end, like actually getting to have a race, that was very special to me um, because, you know, I think those moments between when you know you have it, you know, when you know you got it in the bag, but the race, the clock is still ticking is like some of the most memorable and special moments of a race. And a lot of times it doesn't happen. That's like, you're talking like the last 30 seconds of the race. I mean, up to that point, you think nothing could go, you think something could go wrong. Once you can like see the finish line, then you realize something, you know, nothing could go wrong. And it was neat because last year that, you know, really sweet spot there got interrupted. So when I got to Roby point, I thought I had it in the bag. Okay. So like, I was running a comfortable pace. I was given high fives. I was talking with my crew. You know how they can all run the last mile with you. And I was having just a party, okay? Because I earned it, right? And then Tyler Green snuck up from behind and somehow like made a move right at the end. And it was so neat because that that little moment that I lived for got interrupted. And all of a sudden, it was a race again. Um, so that was probably the most memorable thing that happened last year. <laughs> that is so awesome. I love it. Cause it's like the finish line to your point seems like the ends in sight. You got it in the bag, but it's almost a reminder to be like, Hey, this is still a race. Like you still have to cross the finish line. And it's a cool reminder in that moment, um, especially in a hundred miler, which I feel like is just so unique and special, which is super cool, man. And uh, dude, I'm going to be so excited to follow your race, man. Like I'm super stoked for it too. I'll put a link to your Strava in the show notes too. Obviously uh, for those listening who know Arlen know that there's no social game on here for Arlen, but that's okay because uh, his Strava is just as fun, if not more fun to follow along with. And uh, Arlen, man, thanks for coming on again. Best wishes for you uh, next week. I'll be cheering you on. And uh, dude, this was so much fun. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you absolutely love the show and want to support us in any ways, there's a few ways that you can do so. The first way is writing us a review on the platform of your choice. Reviews really, really matter and they help us to spread the word a lot more. So if you have the time to do so, would love that as well. Number two, you can join our Patreon community. Patreon helps us to support the show and helps us to grow and invest into new developments and growth. And on top of that, just for about $5 a month, you can get access to monthly calls with me where you can ask me anything on a monthly basis, connect with other members in the Everyday Ultra community, and ultimately get early access episodes without ads as well, which is super, super cool, all for about $5 a month. So it's a great way to support us. And then number three is taking care of our sponsors on here. So as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, uh, we had some sponsors in here. And if you want to invest into their product and uh, go try them out, they're all products that I've tried either in my training and I live by. I don't take any sponsorships from anybody I don't incorporate in my training. So uh, feel free to take advantage of their product and tell them that Joe sent you from Everyday Ultra. Those are three ways to support the podcast, but no matter which way that you choose or if you don't choose a way at all, just know that I really appreciate you for listening in. I know there's tons of podcasts out there and the fact that you're listening to us, that really, really means a lot. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And remember, become a better endurance athlete every day, and we'll see you real soon. Take care.